<laughs> See, Brother Neville believes in laying on of hands. <laughs> I see I got a couple of questions. Now, I'll get these tomorrow night because I don't have time to look through them tonight for you. And perhaps on last night's uh, message. Now, if anyone has a question on any of the message, just lay them up one night and I can pick them up the next night. Now, tomorrow night, I would like to find or have, rather, some ministers, if possible, if not some good, solid man or women that we could call on in the time of need, that in the event tomorrow night we start after the message to laying on hands and for the Holy Spirit. And then there'll be a, you have your privilege of staying right here if you wish to, all through the holidays if it takes that long to die. And then, uh, then if not, if you desire to go to your own home, while we would be glad if you get in a place where you just don't know where to go, we want to get some ministers, their numbers, if they're visitors, their numbers where they're staying. And where we could get a hold of them right away and get one in one home, one in another, and one in another, that they could give you instructions, you who are going to seek for this great blessing that we're talking about, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Last night we were speaking what it was. What was the Holy Spirit? And we found it to be just about everything that God promised to us. In it, we found just what God's church would need. We found it to be a seal, a comforter, the rest, and the joy, and the peace, and the resurrection, and all that God promised to His church lays within the Holy Spirit. And now tonight, we want to preach on, or talk on, teach on, I have about three or four sheets of text here or scriptures on it in which last night I left my Cruden's Concordian slaying here and I didn't get it and I just had to go through the best I could today with the scriptures now and tomorrow, tonight we're teaching on what was the purpose of God sending the Holy Spirit what's it for if it's such a great thing then why did God send it then tomorrow night we want to talk on, is it for you, and how do you get it, and how do you know when you've got it? And then, after we get through that with the Scriptures, explain it by the Scriptures, using the Scriptures for all things, then those who are seeking the Holy Spirit will come forward then. And then I hope the revival's on from then on to move on then with the Holy Spirit. Now, being at tomorrow night, many might stay quite a while at the rooms in the church. I feel that if we could get as many ministers and those people who are experienced and leading people to receive the Holy Spirit, to encourage them to go into the home with a, a woman and her husband, our or with someone 
that's seeking the Holy Spirit that's well instructed on what to do, if you would just give your phone number or address to the pastor tonight or tomorrow night, just give it to Brother Neville, then that'd save us gathering in for a meeting. Just give your phone number where we could reach you. And then say, I'll be available. And if we, you, you want to place me into a home, if it's a, a woman alone, then we could send a woman, see, to this woman. And then if it's in a home where there's a man, his wife, well, we could send a minister. And we'd be glad to have you to cooperate because I know you're everyone interested in this. This most essential. And remember... He that saves a soul from his error has covered a multitude of sin. See? And the bride of Christ is hungering and thirsting. She's in travail to give birth to the children of God. Now, tonight, before we read the Scriptures, let us bow our heads just a moment for prayer. And just before we pray, you with your heads bowed, would you have a request? Just raise your hands and say, God, I solemnly raise my hands. I have need. I pray that you'll help me, O Lord. God bless each of you. He sees your hands. The angels have taken their requests down. And Heavenly Father, we now come approaching Thee again in prayer, which no doubt that prayer has already been made among the children of God tonight in this little place. And its songs have been sung and we have lifted hearts and joyful rejoicings at the praises of God. David said he would come into the congregation of the saints and make his request known. And tonight there has been many hands. Perhaps maybe I would say 80% of those that are sitting in this building tonight raise their hands for request. Shows, Lord, that we just can't go without you. We've got to have you day by day. You are our life, our joy our health, our sustaining strength, our stay, our buckler, our shield from the enemy. And we just could not fight this battle of life without you. It would be totally impossible for us to do it. And we have to totally rely upon you. For we know that we're walking through a dark and dismal land. On every side the enemy has beset us on given traps and snares. Our paths, Lord, are set full of snares of the enemy to upset us. And we too know at the end of the road we got that long shadowy valley called death to walk through. Oh, Lord, who would hold our hands then? We want to know you now, Lord. We want to know that you've got our hands and we got your hands. 
that we can have that anchored assurance that when we come to that last great moment of our life, that enter into that door called death that we can say with the saint of old, I know him in the power of his resurrection. And I know that when he calls, I'll come out from among the dead. Now, Father God, we would pray that you'll bless our request and our gathering. Bless thy words and if I should say anything that would be contrary to your word or your will, thou still has the power to close the mouth as you did in the den of lions when Daniel was present. And we pray, Lord, that you would open ears and hearts tonight that, and create in them a hunger and thirst. May they be so thirsty that they cannot sleep or rest nowhere until the Comforter has come. We believe that we are living in the last days, in the shadow of His coming. That's what these messages are directed to, Lord. It's for the people to take heed, take warning. And may tonight we just pull off the shell right now, lay it over on the side of the bench, say, Lord God, I am a receptacle to you. Let your spirit surge through me, mold me and make me after thy will. I'll yield my heart, my strength, my all to thy call. Hear us, Lord. We're not here to be seen on this rainy night. We are not here just for uh, no place else to go. We are here for one solemn, sacred, holy purpose in our hearts. That is to draw nigh unto you, knowing that you've promised if we would draw nigh unto you, you draw nigh unto us. And that's why we are here. He that comes in hungry will not go out hungry. Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst for righteousness, said Jesus, for they shall be filled. And if we ask for bread, we will not receive a stone. We have that assurance. And if we ask for fish, we will not receive a serpent. But God our Father will feed us with the manna of heaven, His Word and His Spirit that bear record of Him. Answer our prayers, Lord, and our request as we further wait on Thee. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, you that's keeping these scriptures down, if you would turn with me to St. John again. The 14th chapter, we want to begin at the 14th chapter of St. John. And let's start about the 14th verse, St. John 14, 14, and just read a portion of this scripture. Now, in this you will find much of the context that I'm 
want to speak on tonight and remember you that have the red letter Bibles it's in red this is it's the words that Jesus himself spoke on so therefore we can rest assured that it will be just as he has said heavens and earth will pass away but his word shall never fail Now we shall read from the 14th verse of the 14th chapter. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. What a blessed promise. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not. Now you that would be reading from a Greek Bible would see it in your, not see there means to understand. For the world understandeth him not. That is so true. Let me read it again now. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him who the comforter. For he dwelleth with you now, present tense, he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. What is it? The same comforter? I will not leave you comfortless. I. Anyone knows that I is a personal pronoun? I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world seeth me no more, but ye shall, but ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. At that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. There's going to be the center of my thought, but we're going to read a little farther. Let me read that also now, again. At that day, the great day, the judgment day, that day ye shall know that I am in the Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that has my commandment and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father. And I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Judas said unto him, not Issacharot, Lord, how is it that thou will manifest thyself to us and not to the world? That's 
cosmos, the world order. If you got a margin reading there, you'll notice mine's a G, and it says over here, cosmos, our world system. That's churches and so forth. How is it that you manifest yourself to us and not to them? How can you do it? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. Amen. And my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Amen. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. Might keep the church's sayings, but keep his sayings, you see. And the words which ye hear is not mine, but the Father which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all these things, that's his word, to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. What purpose did God send the Holy Spirit then? May he add his blessings to his word. Jesus said that at that day you'll know that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, and you're, I'm in you, and you're in me. Now, if we were going to say this, now remember, this is going to be on tape. A Christian businessman out of Louisville called me a while ago and he said, it's a shame, Billy, that these messages like you said last night doesn't get to 40,000 here instead of 150, 200, 300 people at your little tabernacle. I said, sir, in six months from now, Jesus tarries, the whole world around will hear this. Them tapes go all over the world. All around. And therefore, we are teaching here now just what we believe to be truth. And what we have found out that God has confirmed it to us to be truth. Now, the purpose, what was, what was God's purpose in sending the Holy Spirit? Now, I will mark that down, John 14, beginning at the 14th verse and reading through the chapter for the basis. God's purpose we find here in sending the Holy Spirit was one purpose that God Himself might dwell in His church and continue His plans through the church. That God was in Christ, continuing His plans through Christ, out of Christ, into the church, continuing His work through the church. Now we know what the Holy Spirit is. We found out last night that it's God. Now, when we think of God the Father, 
as Jesus spoke of here, His Father. God the Son, as Jesus. God the Holy Spirit, as what we call it today. Now that does not mean that there is three individual distinct gods. It means that there is one God in three offices. May we say it like this. All that God was, He poured into Christ because He emptied Himself and poured it into Christ. And Christ was the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Amen. All that Jehovah was, He poured into Christ. And all that Christ was, He poured into the church. Amen. Not into one individual, but into the entire body. There where we come together in unity, we have power. All that God was, was in Christ, and all that Christ was, is in you. For God was made flesh and dwelt among us. 1 Timothy 3.16, if you're putting it down. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness, for God was manifested in the flesh. We handle Him. God, Jehovah, made flesh and walked on the earth, and we saw Him with our eyes. You know, in the same chapter of John 14, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and it will satisfy us. Jesus said, I've been so long with you, Philip, and you don't know me? When you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And why sayest thou unto me, show us the Father? God was made flesh. Now, here it is. The Father was God over you. We're saying we've been since Adam. God the Father was over Moses and the children of Israel in a pillar of fire. Then God with us in Christ walked with us, talked with us, eat with us, slept with us. God over us. God with us. And now, God in us. All God was coming to Christ. All Christ was coming to the church. What is it? God working in you. Anywhere in the world, He'd want to call on you right there. Working in you to do His good will. How we are to thank God for that. God, the Holy Spirit, is sent for the purpose of God living in His church, moving through each age, working out His divine will. When man make fun of you, they're not making fun of you. They're making fun of Him that sent you. So, Jesus said, Blessed are ye when man shall say all manner of evil against you, falsely for my name's sake. Blessed are you. 
And again, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecutions. For when God made Himself known in Christ, they hated Him. Who hated Him worse? The church. The church hated Him worse. They hated Him worse than the, the drunkard. They hated Him worse than all the other people. It was the church that hated Him. So therefore, when you see cosmos, the world or the world knowed Him not, means the church so-called knew Him not. He came to His own and His own received Him not. But as many as did receive Him, to them gave He the power to become sons of God. Amen. To them that believed on His name. Oh, how we should love Him and worship Him. Amen. The purpose of God wanting to become in fellowship. Like, before we leave that text, let's use this. In the days of Ruth, in the law of redemption, when Neoma had left the country because of trial, hard times. She went into the Mobanite land, which were just lukewarm nominal Christians because the Mobanites come from the daughter of Lot. And they were so-called believers and mixed up. And then her husband died and her two sons died. And on the road home, Neoma uh, Ruth and uh, Neoma on her road home, her, one of her daughter-in-laws, Orpah, she said that she would return back to her country, to her gods and to her church and to her people. And Neoma tried to get uh, Ruth to go back, but she said, Your people are my people. Your God is my God. Where you die there, I'll die. Where you're buried there, I'll be buried. And I'll not turn back. That's when a person's caught a vision. No man can difference what other people said. You're going over there to become a holy roller or something. That didn't make any difference to Ruth. There was a purpose of God to be fulfilled. And just as sure as you're hungering tonight for the Holy Spirit, it's something in you pulling you that a purpose of God in your life has got to be fulfilled. Just like it was with Ruth. The story's so beautiful, I just can't leave it for a moment. You know the law of redemption. That when Boaz, you know the story of how Ruth gleaned in the field and found favor with Boaz. And before he could marry her, he had to redeem all that Neoma had lost. And the only one that could redeem Neoma's fallen estate in the law of redemption was a near kinsman. Had to be kinfolks before he could redeem. And that was her closest kinfolks. And he had to make a public ensign outside of the gate or a public confession. 
that he had redeemed all that Neoma had lost. And Boaz did it by kicking off his shoe before the elders and said, if there's anybody here that's got anything that belongs to Neoma, I this day have redeemed it. And that's the way God did follow His own laws. God cannot follow, give you one law to follow and Him follow another. He follows His own laws. Then God, in order to redeem the lost church, the lost world, the lost creation, God who is infinite in spirit, to redeem the lost human race, God Himself become kinfolks. A man, a son that He created in the womb of Mary. And then He made an ensign or a testimony. Outside the gates of Jerusalem, He was lifted up between the heavens and earth and died and redeemed everything. And in bleeding, He sanctified a church that He Himself might live in and fellowship and commune with. That lost spot of fellowship from the Garden of Eden where God came down every evening Church time. Did you notice God came down in the cool of the day? The setting of the sun. There's something about when it starts to get night. People think of church and of God. Christians. You see the sun setting. You realize it's your sun is setting. And in the cool evening, He come down and commune with them. And there... He lost that fellowship because sin would not let him do it. And then he was made flesh and dwelt among us in order that he could come back again to man. Amen. And live in man. And restore man to a state of communion with him again and give him back his God-given right. Amen. That's what he did. That's the purpose of the Holy Ghost. It's the Father again. God the Father dwelling in you. Working out His plans to finish His plan of redemption. Working through you. Making you a co-worker with Him. Giving you a place. Giving you a part for your fallen lost brother and sister. Giving you His Spirit and His love to go hunt the lost as He did in the Garden of Eden. Adam, Adam, where art thou? That's what the Holy Spirit does to a man or a woman when it strikes into their heart and takes its abode. There's a thirst and a hungry for lost souls. That's what's the matter with the meetings today. There's not enough spirit touch in it. Go for the souls of the lost and the dying. It's more to make a name or a church or a building or a denomination instead of a soul-winning program. 
How pitiful. We could stay on it much. God poured Himself into Christ. Correct. Christ poured Himself into the church. Therefore, now watch. At that day, you will know that I am in the Father and you are in me and I am in you. At that day, you'll know it. For it's a whole thing is one plan of redemption. Coming down that God coming back to live in and dwell with and commune to His people as He did at the beginning. Now, then as soon as He gets His church in speaking conditions, gets His church to a place that He can flow Himself through and love and persuade and fellowship, then there'll come a Eden. He'll take His church back to where it left Him at. Back to an Eden again. There where it fell. It, no, that's where it made its first start of fall. That's where it will be taken right back with every clean slate of redemption. Bringing them straight back to that place again. The church has been in the world for some time. And the church... Really, after the Reformation of 1,500 years of Dark Ages, Luther was the first reformer to come forth after the round of the apostles. And then when Luther come forth, God tipped up a little bit of the Spirit and poured it out upon the church in justification. And then in the days of Wesley, he poured out a little more of himself into sanctification. And as the age has grown on to the end time, God has been filling His church. Just look around and find out if that's truth or not. Look at the Lutheran age. You who read history. Look at their revival and what they did. Look how much greater the Wesley revival was. How much more power they had but in the minority. Watch in the days of Pentecost. What a revival they had then. What a great wide sweeping to our Sunday visitor, the Catholic paper, give confession that the Pentecostals produced 1,500,000 conversions in one year. I've done all the rest of churches together. The Catholic only changed, claimed a million. And their own Sunday visitor, the paper called the Sunday visitor, gave statement that the Pentecostals outrun them. And remember, Pentecostal conversions is Holy Ghost-filled conversions. In the minority to start with, on the side of the alley out there with a little guitar and women couldn't even afford a pair of stockings. Laying out on the railroad tracks and picking up corn and mashing it and making bread for their children. Well, what's it come to? The most powerful standing church in the world today. Not in the eyes of the world, but in the eyes of God because He proves it by what He's doing for them. 
He's pouring Himself into them. Pouring it in. Notice now what taking place. God pouring Himself into them. Now the church has got to a place from Luther, Wesley, and the revivals on the Pentecost. And now into this age that we're coming now by the same Holy Spirit, just more of it. Now, when them Luthers back there got saved, they got a potion of the Holy Spirit. When the Methodists got sanctified, that was a work of the Holy Spirit. See, it was a part of the Holy Spirit. They without us are not made perfect, says the Scripture. See, now, God as the light has begun to shine in the last days... He is expecting us a great thing from us. Because where there's much given, there's much required. So He's going to require much more of us than He did of the Luthers or the Methodists. Because we walk in a greater light, with a greater power, with a greater, uh, a greater witness than they had. Now, we have a greater witness of the resurrection. We have things more firmer, more sure than they had. But it's just like I said to a Lutheran college not long ago. They said, what have we got? I said, a man planted a field of corn. The first little blades come up. He said, thank the Lord for a a crop of corn. Potentially, he had it. But he only had it in the early farm. By and by, it become a stalk and a tassel come out on it, which was Methodist. If you'll watch nature, you'll see God working. There's a secret lines there that even goes with my ministry. See? That watching nature. See how it does. What age and what time. You see where you're living. Watch the age. Now, then the Methodists, they were tossels. They looked back to the Lutheran and said, We got sanctification. You haven't got nothing in it. By and by, from that pollen from the Methodists come forth a grain of or ear of corn. That was Pentecost. There you are. Justification, one stage of it. Sanctification, another stage of it. The Holy Spirit, another stage of it. Pentecost. Luther, Wesley, Pentecost. Now what does Pentecost, I liken it? Because in Pentecost, it brought back not a green leaf, not a tassel, but the corn cannot say to the tassel, I don't have no use of you. Or the tassel can't say to the, the leaf, I have no use of you. Because the same life that was in the leaf made the tassel. The same life was in the tassel made the ear. And it was the Lutheran church that made the Wesley church. It was the Wesley church that made Pentecost. But Pentecost, what is it? It's a restoration of the same kind of a grain that went into the ground at the beginning. Amen. Bringing back all the fullness of the power of Pentecost by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. See, in the last days. Oh, it's a great thing to, look, to believe and to look at. Now, in this age that we're now living, this age, it's beyond Pentecost. Pentecost has settled itself into organizations and started thinking a whole lot about organizations. We are this and we are that. 
That's just nature. You just can't help it. It's nature. They'll do that. It's the plan for them to do that. But the church has moved on. It's gone into greater, more powerful. It's a restoration of gifts. And many Pentecostal people does not believe in divine healing, ministry of angels, and powers of God. Many Pentecostals call these visions that I see the devil. Many organizations won't even have nothing to do with it in Pentecost. See, we've moved beyond that. Just as Methodists called Pentecostal crazy for speaking in tongues. Just as Lutheran called Methodists crazy for shouting. See? But it's all a coming forth out of the Holy Spirit till the great church is being filled up and chugged full. Hallelujah! Of the great powers of Almighty God until it's got to a place, until the very works that Jesus done has manifested itself right in the church now. We're close friends. Let me stop here just for a minute to get what God put the Holy Ghost in the church for. Give you another type so that you'll know. Back in the Old Testament when a, a child, a man made himself a home, he got his bride. That's the first thing. Then he become a great man like an organization. That was good. The next thing happened, there come a birth into that home. That's when the Holy Spirit, see another spirit came in, which was a son. That son, he was not in full charge, neither was he an heir until he got a certain age and he had to be proved first. Yes. And then they had the law of adoption to you ministers, the placing of a son is what I'm speaking of now. Then when he come to a place to where he was adopted, Jesus gave a beautiful illustration of it. On Mount Transfiguration, as I said, God will never go outside of His laws to do anything. If you've got an artesian well on this hill, blowing water all over the air, and on this other hill over here, you've got a crop burning up. You can stand on this hill and holler, Oh, water, run over here and fill my crop. Oh, water, get to my crop. It'll never do it. But if you'll work according to the laws of gravitation, you can water that crop. You've got a sick man laying here, or a sinner laying here, or a man that wants to be right, can't give up drinking, can't give up smoking, can't give up lust and things. If you just work according to the laws of God, let the Holy Spirit come in there, then he's no more his own. He, he will stop that thing because the Holy Spirit takes him over. But you've got to work according to the laws of God, the rules of God. Now... In the Old Testament, when this baby was born, they watched it to see how it was behaved, behavior. Then the father, being a great businessman by this time, maybe in his 40s or 50s, he didn't have time to teach this baby himself. So he got, in them days, they didn't have public schools as they have now, so they got what they called a tutor or a razor, school teacher. And this school teacher was the best he could find so that he'd be truthful and tell the father the truth about it. And then when this boy got to a certain age, say he was matured, if that boy was just a renegade, no good, 
didn't care for the father's business. All he thought about was flirting and running with the women's or, or drinking or gambling or horse racing. That boy would always be a son, but he was never placed in position to have heir to all his father had. But if he was a good boy and he was about the father's business and he proved to be the right child, then they had a ceremony. They took the boy out into the street and put a white robe on him. And they stood him up on a scaffold so all the city could see him. They made a feast and a jubilee. And the father then had the ceremony of adoption. He adopted his own son into his own business. And then the son was co-equal with his father. In other words, if it had been today, the son's name on the check was just as good as the daddy's. Now watch what God did. When his son was born, he let him go for 30 years, testing him, trying him. Then he gave him th three years of hard trial. And then at the end of the hard trial, when he seen that his son was about the father's business, Mount Transfiguration, Book of Luke, he took Peter, James, and John, three witnesses, and went up on top of the mountain, and there God performed the laws of adoption. Amen. He, they looked up and they seen Jesus and His clothes shined as white as the lightning. And as a cloud overshadowed Him, and a voice come out of the cloud and said, This is my beloved Son. Hear ye Him. I'll sit down now and have no more to say. What he says is law and truth. Amen. Now, the church has come through those schools. She married back under a long time ago and become a denomination, an organization. But you notice the birth produced something else. And now it's got to a place to where the Pentecostal church with the new birth has been tested and tried. And now it's coming to a place God doesn't deal with the church as just an organization. He doesn't deal with the church as a, a group of people. He deals with the church as an individual. Each individual in the church. And now it's got to a time. And it's no secret. We all see it. When a man proves and God loves him, he takes him out somewhere to himself. There in the front of angels. He does something for him. He lifts him up there in the presence of God and gifts him and fills him and sets him out. That's the age that we're living in. Same Holy Spirit that saved the Lutherans, that sanctified the Methodists, that baptized the Pentecostals is now setting in order the coming of the Lord Jesus when it'll be so powerful that body will come into this group of church that'll draw the rest of them from the grave. There'll be a resurrection. That's what the Holy Ghost is for. What is the Holy Ghost? Without us, they cannot be made perfect. They lived in one day. Under that, we live in another day. 
When the enemy comes in like a flood, I'll, the Spirit of God will raise a standard against it. See? We're in a day now back there, there wasn't half as smart as today. They couldn't make an atomic bomb or an automobile. They didn't have science and things as we have now. But, and things of mysterious things to try to say man blowed together by some dust and so forth and take some analysis and try to prove it. To make infidels out of people. But now when we need it, the Spirit of God raises a standard. What is He's pouring in His Spirit. Then those who are resting out yonder in the grave or under the altar of God, as the Scripture says, are crying, How long, Lord? How long? How much longer? God's waiting on me and you. The church is waiting on me and you. Adoption time. God can... Pour into us His fullness, His power, His resurrection, that when the church and Christ become so close together, the Christ becomes visible among us and raises the dead. And we go into the rapture. Now we're going to say, show at one that just those who are filled with the Holy Ghost goes in that rapture, for the rest of the dead live not for the space of a thousand years. That's right. Just Holy Spirit-filled people was all went in the rapture. Now, God gave the Holy Spirit. I've got another scripture here in John 14, 12. That's a very familiar scripture with all the people here at the tabernacle. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me... Now, don't let that word believeth kind of set you back in a nominal church. Say, yes, I believe. Sure, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The devil believes the same thing. That's exactly. The Bible said he does. But the Scripture says in John that no man can call Jesus the Christ only by the Holy Ghost. You've actually, by the Scripture... Let me stop here just a minute before I finish reading. You are not converted until you've received the Holy Ghost. Right. You are believing unto. The Holy Spirit has spoke to you. And you publicly confessed Him. The devil has the same thing. I believe Him to be the Son of God. So does the devil. But you're walking on towards Him. When Peter had been called and justified by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. And in John 17, 17... Jesus sanctified them through the Word, for the Word was the truth, and He was the Word. First John says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. He was the Word. So He sanctified them. He said, Father, speaking to the Spirit in Him, I sanctify them through the Word. Self laying His hands upon them. Thy word is the truth. Just merely spoke him into existence in the womb of a woman. Oh, totally impossible for him to be any other way than this word of God to make him manifest. I sanctify them. He gave them power against the unclean spirits. They went out. He put their names in the Lamb's book of life. And he sent them out. John, uh, Matthew 10 
and gave them power over unclean spirits, cast out evil spirits and do works and so forth. And they come back rejoicing, said, even the devils is subject to us. He said, don't rejoice because the devils is subject unto you, but rejoice because your name's in the book. And Judas was with them. See how close he can come? Right on up through justification. Move right on into sanctification. But where did he show his light? Where did he show himself? Before Pentecost. He showed his colors. Watch that spirit will be just as pious and just as sanctimonious as it can be until it comes to the Holy Ghost and they'll cut it off right there. That's that spirit. Can't you see it? Moving up. The Antichrist and Jesus said they'd be so close together in the last days it would deceive the very elected if possible. But remember, it's just the elected that will see it. God calls by election. Aren't you happy that you're one of them? Aren't you people here tonight knowing something in your heart tugging? I want that Holy Spirit. I want you, Lord, in my heart. That's because God put your name on the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. He said that. No man can come to me, said Jesus, except my Father has drawn him first. And all that comes to me, I'll give them eternal life. What is eternal life? The Holy Spirit. Eternal life. Take that word and run it in the Greek. And it said, Zoe. Zoe is the Holy Spirit. All that the Father's giving me will come to me. All that comes to me, I'll give him the Holy Ghost and I'll raise him up at the last day. I will do it, he said. Not no if and ands about it. I will all that comes and I'll give eternal life. He'll have to raise because he's got eternal life. He has to come. Can't die. No more than God can die. Oh, my dear friends from around this country and in this little city, if I could only with my human voice place into your heart the importance of receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost... It would be the most wonderful revelation that you ever had in your life to see what you must do it. Let me make that clear about you're not converted. Peter had been saved. He believed on the Lord, followed Him. Jesus told him who He was, had Him to follow Him. He gave Him power against unclean spirits and sanctified Him. But after all of that and become the chief spokesman of the group, as the Catholics would want to call it the bishop or the church or the pope or whatever it was, the head man of the church. Yet Jesus said the night of his betrayal, Lovest thou me, Peter? And he said, Lord, you know I love you. He said, Feed my sheep. He said that three times. And Peter said, You know I love you. I'll go with you to the, uh, the end and I'll go with you to the death and so forth. He said, before the cock has crowed three times, you, before the cock crows, you'll have denied me three times. He said, but Peter, I'm praying for you. <laughs> Listen, that's not all of it. I have prayed for you, and after you are converted. Amen. 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 
strengthen your brethren. After you are converted. He had shouted. He had probably danced in the spirit. He had done all kinds of things, but he hadn't received the Holy Ghost yet. After you are converted, then strengthen your brethren. That's true. Carry out his plan. Now, let me finish reading John 14, 12. Now, in the 14th chapter and 12th verse, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth, and you cannot believe, believeth on me, you can believe unto him. How many understands that? Say amen. amen. You remember in Acts 19, I hate to stop this year, but I just have to say it as it comes to me. In Acts the 19th chapter, when this Baptist preacher, which was a, a lawyer and was converted, and he was preaching and getting people saved, and they had great joy, just rejoicing and shouting, having a meeting. Acts 18, Aquila and Priscilla, we referred to it last evening. And they went to see him, and they know he was a great man, and he was a student, and he was proving by the Bible that Jesus was the Son of God. Only knowing the baptism of John. He didn't know the baptism of the Holy Ghost yet. So he said, Aquila and Priscilla, that husband and wife, little tent makers, which Paul was a tent maker too, and they'd received the Holy Ghost under Paul's teaching. They said, we've got a little brother who's coming up here. Let him talk to us a little bit about it. And when Paul came up and heard him preach, knowed he was a great man, he said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you have believed? They said, We know not there where there be any Holy Ghost. He said, Then to what? Or the real Greek word there is to how was you baptized? They said, We have been baptized already by John the Baptist. Now watch what Paul said. Paul said that John verily baptized unto repentance not for remission of sins but unto repentance saying that's what you believe when you accept Christ as your personal Savior you're believing unto the baptism of the Holy Ghost that is not the baptism of the Holy Ghost my dear Baptist brethren that is wrong a brother said to me the other day he said Brother Branham or some time ago months ago he said, Brother Branham, Abraham believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. I said, truly. I said, what more can a man do than believe? I said, that's all a man can do. That's all he can do today is believe God. But God gave him a seal of circumcision that we went through last night as a sign that he had accepted his faith in him. And today until God... You believe unto Him when you accept Him as your personal Savior. But when God gives you the seal of the Holy Ghost, He sealed you to your eternal destination. Amen. Now you Baptists take that and I'll go with you on eternal security. <laughs> yes, sir, because grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby you are sealed until the day of your redemption. You are not sealed by believing unto, but sealed by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Ephesians 4.30 Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of your redemption. 
That seals you. When you found favor with God and He seals you by the Holy Spirit, that soul for the Bible said, No man can call Jesus the Christ only by the Holy Ghost. You say, I believe it because the pastor said so. He's right. But that doesn't count for you. I believe it because the Word says so. That's right, but that isn't for you. That doesn't count you. The only way that you can say that Jesus is the Christ is when the Holy Ghost comes into you and bears record and witnesses itself out. He is the Son of God. That's the only way you know the resurrection. When the Holy Ghost bears record. When He, the Holy Ghost, has come, He will testify of me. Show you things to come. Bring these things that I've said to your memories. You'll never find it in the school. He will bring these things to your memories. Now we want to read just a little further in this scripture now. St. John 14, 12. Verily, verily, I say you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also... And greater, which the right translation there is more, if you want to look it up, greater works than these shall he do, because I go to the Father. If he went to the Father, the Holy Spirit would come. Is that right? Another scripture said, If I go not away, the Comforter will not come. But if I go away, I'll come again and be with you, even in you. See, it's God with you, over you first, with you in Christ, in you in the Holy Ghost. God in you. Now the works that I do, shall you do also. Not another work, but God wants to bring the Holy Ghost in you to continue the same work that He was doing in Christ. The work wasn't so needy in the days of Luther. That was God's church. It wasn't a little bit more needier in the days of Wesley. Because the world, the Bible said, would get weaker and wiser and more wicked all the time. We are, the world's getting more wicked all We know that. One man do things today that a hundred years ago you wouldn't have thought there'd been a human being that cruel. More wicked all the time and the wicked shall do wickeder all the time, said the Scripture. More and more. So the Holy Spirit has been moving. There's just a little breath of it with Luther. A little blow of it with Wesley. And a deeper blow of it with the Pentecost. Now the breath and the Spirit has become the same. She's uniting together, bringing forth that same powerful blow of the Holy Ghost like He did back there is manifesting the same works that He did back there is being manifested right today. The same thing. Watch what Jesus said. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing except He sees the Father do it first. What the Father does, He shows the Son. The Father dwelleth in me, He doeth the works. See? Now, notice here's another thing I'd like to say right here. As Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, 
as, now watch, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. As the Father. How did the Father send Him? The Father that sent Him come down from heaven and dwelt in Him. He went forth. He said, I'll always do that which pleases my Father. See? He went about doing the things that the Father was showing Him to do. I do nothing except my Father shows me first. The God that sent Him was on the inside of Him. And as the Father sent me the same way the Father sent me, so I send you. Why is it God in you? Carrying on what? The same works. The same, Jesus said, the, He that believeth, he that has me on the inside of the Holy Spirit. He that believeth, that's already witnessed my resurrection, know that I am in him. He that's in me, if he abide in me. My words abide in you. They say, I abide in Jesus, but I sure don't believe in divine healing. That shows he's not there. I believe in Jesus. Don't believe in the Holy Ghost this day. Not like they had it back there. That shows He isn't there. The Holy Spirit will bear record of every word it spoke. He's not a liar. He's not afraid of nobody or no organization. He don't have to take down for nobody. He speaks it and He stays with it. If the high and polluted and educated or uh, as we call it, plutocrats, if they don't want to receive it, God's able of these stones to rise children to Abraham. He'll take gangsters and bootleggers and everything else and rise them up. God can do it and He is doing it. God's able of these stones to rise children to Abraham. Somebody's going to do it. Because He's God. If you abide in me and my words in you, ask what you will because you're asking His word. And His word is life. Speak it. If God said it in your tree, said the Holy Ghost bears record that word's right, then there you are, brother. Amen. Speak it. There it is. Amen. Say to this mountain, be moved. Don't doubt in your heart, but believe in what you say. Not you that speaketh, but the Father that dwelleth in you. He doeth the talking. It's not you talking to that mountain. It's the Father that's in you. Speaking to that mountain, it has to move. All heavens and earth will pass away, said, but my... Spirit shall not, or my word shall not pass away. Certainly it cannot pass away. Father, now, the works that I do, God is in His church to continue His works. That's why I sent the Holy Ghost. Now, He knew that. He, he knew it wouldn't be, it couldn't be done that way. So, was it by otherwise? So He had to send. The Father sent the Son, put all that's in the Son in you in the same works that He did. The same very works now that Jesus did, you'll do also the church. Wouldn't you like to do the works of God? Amen. Jesus said, if you don't do the works of God, believe on me. Amen. How you believe on Him, you can't do it till you got the Holy Ghost. Because no man can say He is the Son of God. You're saying what somebody else said. The Bible said that He's the Son of God. I believe the Bible. All right. The Bible says He's the Son of God. I believe the Bible. The pastor says He's the Son of God. I believe the pastor. Mama says he's the son of God. I believe Mama. My friend says he's the son of God. I believe my friend. But the only way that I can say he's the son of God is when the Holy Ghost comes in and bears record of itself. Then I know he's the son of God. 
No man can call Jesus Christ only by the Holy Ghost. Amen. No man speaking by the Spirit of God called Jesus a curse. Amen. Or say it was something that day and something else today. That makes him weak and faltry. No, sir, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Any true spirit will bear record of that. All right. Now, he said, These works that I do shall you also. John 14, 12. Now, the same works. Oh, they say the church does a greater work today. In what manner? He said, The works that I do. He said, Well, we got missionaries all over the world. That's a greater work. But he said, The works that I do. Amen. I do them. Do them first. <laughs> then talk about missionaries. Today, speaking here some time ago about a Mohammedan, he said, Mohammed's dead. That's right, he's in the grave, but someday he'll rise. He said, if he rises from the grave, the whole world will know it in 24 hours. He said, you people say Jesus has been raised 2,000 years, and not one-third of the people know it yet. That's because that you spoke from an intellectual view of it. You spoke from a standpoint of school or education. If this whole great church of God, counting Catholic, Protestant, all together, had received the Holy Ghost, this world would be laying solid in Christianity. There wouldn't be such a thing as communism. There wouldn't be such a thing as strife or enmity or meanness or hatred. Jesus would be sitting on His throne. We'd be walking through the paradises of God with eternal life, living forever, already resurrected in a new body, walking around never to be old, never to be gray, never to be sick, never to be hungry, walking in the joys of the Lord, talking with the animals. and Oh, what a day! But we've done everything else besides what He... He said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. What does the gospel? Not word only, but through power and demonstrations of the Holy Ghost, making the Word of God manifest as the gospel. You can't do it. Now, Jesus knowed that. If He had to live in His church, therefore He knew we'd have intellectual schools. And you'll never get this in an intellectual school. They'll be against it. Because all they know is some smart man's learning. Some creed or denomination they want to, to live by. So they'll, they'll set you up in that and make you a member of that body. And brother, quote some things to you out of a creed that would seem like it was just perfect. The great holy church, the mother, it stood a many a beat, it stood a many a pound. So has the devil. He's been kicked out of everywhere there is, nearly. And he's still going on just the same. Yes, sir. Oh, they'll try to quote these. So Jesus knowed that there'd be a great intellectual move just like there was in his days. Interle- washing of pots and pans and wearing of clothes and turned around collars and everything as they did. All these different things that they would do. He knowed they'd do that. So he said, now just wait a minute. I'm going to not leave you comfortless. I'm coming again to be with you. Therefore, he said, the works that I do, you'll do also. The purpose of sending the Holy Ghost was for God to continue through a bunch of people to continually manifest God to the world. It's exactly. Not by a creed, not by a denomination, but by the power of His resurrection. By making His Word real, by taking His promise and standing on the side of the minority and believing God and watch the black skies move back and the power of God move in and take over. Amen. That's what He wants. 
That's what the Holy Ghost was sent for. That's what purpose He sent it for. We know what it is now. And that's why He sent it. Therefore, no other blood would sanctify people. I couldn't sanctify you and you couldn't sanctify me because we we're both born after sex. But Jesus was born without sex. That's right. So His blood was a sanctifier. And God came down, made a body, lived in it, shed that blood for the sanctifying of this, which absolutely expelled the guilt of sin and shame. Amen. Then through faith believing in that, God comes right down into that human body by the sanctifying of that blood, puts in Abraham's seed by faith to believe that that blood would come, that pure blood that would be a miracle like his blood walked over there after he's as good as dead, believed God for 25 years, him 75 years old, and believed till he was 100, and Sarah 65, and believed till she was 90. And he was one as good as the dead. And God said, so the people won't be sure to miss it. Take him up beyond the hill and offer him up for a sacrifice. He said to the servants, you stand here with the mule and wait. The son and I will go yonder and worship. And the son and I shall return. Oh, how is he going to do it? Abraham said, I received him as one from the dead. And I know that he that gave him to me as one from the dead is able to rise him up from the dead if I only keep his word. Hallelujah. He, I keep his word. He's able to raise him up from the dead, perfectly speaking of Christ. Amen. There he is. And through that blood cell come forth the Holy Ghost that had itself bound up in a body called Jesus that blood sanctified away by faith to call the redeemed or the elected of God. And when you've accepted that and the Holy Spirit's taken all the meanness out of you, He moves right in God Himself to work His will. Down here, that mean boss is crabby and this other old so-and-so over here is doing so-and-so and this old guy talked about against it. A man filled with the Holy Ghost will stand right in the face of it. Amen. Amen. And they took heed. They was ignorant and unlearned, but they took heed they'd been with Jesus. That's what the Holy Ghost come for. Little old fisherman couldn't sign his name. But he stood there and said, Who shall we believe, man or God? <laughs> Let it be known to you, we'll still preach in Jesus' name. <laughs> what boy. You know, he, he had a home over yonder. <laughs> That's right. He was a pilgrim and a stranger here. He was seeking the city to come. What did that hypocrite priest mean to him? He was under the domination of the God of heaven that raised up His Son, Christ Jesus, and filled Him with the Spirit of the God that made the heavens and earth. Amen. There you are. He wasn't scared of Him. I'll serve death. Well, when they tucked the little Stevens out there, said, Take it back. He said, You stiff-necked, uncircumcised the heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Ghost like your fathers did. So do you. They said, We'll beat you to death. He said, you couldn't do that. <laughs> we'll show you whether we'll or not. And he grabbed big rocks and began to pound him in the head. He looked up and said, I see the heavens open. <laughs> I see the ladder coming down. I see Jesus standing at the right hand of his majesty. And the Bible didn't say he died. He fell asleep. Oh, my. I can just see an angel come down, pick him up, and rock him like a baby, a mother, till he went to sleep. Oh, my. Hallelujah. Sure. That's the purpose of the Holy Ghost. That's what God sent the Holy Ghost for. Amen. The Holy Ghost come to give you power. I got some more scriptures here just a minute. 
The Holy Ghost coming to give you power. I, I, you can find this. I'm just too much of a way tonight. <laughs> give you power. Power in prayer. You take a person that's lived a good life, but they're always defeated. Oh, I tell you. Good person. Oh, sure, I love the Lord, Brother Brandon. Always defeated. They never get a prayer answered. You fill that little woman with the Holy Ghost one time. Watch what takes place when she goes before God. She's not defeated. She comes boldly to the throne of God, believing she has a right because she's a daughter of God by birth. Take that little man so cowardly, the boss kick him all over the place and say, wait a minute here now. <laughs> Something changed. See? He's got the Holy Ghost. He gives you power. Your life is full of power. He gives you power in speech. Why am I? Those people that was afraid, sat out there, Peter, James, John, Luke, and all the rest of them, they done got in the upper room saying, oh, we can't say no more. Them, look at that. There's Dr. So-and-so-and-so out there. There's Rabbi so-and-so-and-so. And so. You know, he had four degrees of college. How will we ever stand against him? Peter said, oh, I remember still that man fishing one day. He, he spoke. Now, I didn't even know what he's talking about. Oh, I can never stand against him. But what, did, what can we do, brethren? He said, wait. Well, we've done been here four days. Just keep on waiting. How long? Until. <laughs> well, did he say it would be on the fifth day? He never said how long. He said until. Well, they just kept waiting. How long? Until. Eight days passed. Until. Nine days passed. Until. And finally, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one place in one accord. God had been above them in a fiery cloud. Amen. God had walked with them on earth. Now something else is going to take place. Something's fixing to happen. They were all in one place in one accord. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. And it Amen. filled all the room where they were sitting. Cloven tongues set up on them. What is cloven? Parted. Like stammering. Did you ever hear anybody stammer? You go, I, 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 I. See, they can't say nothing. Cloven, parted, like a cloven hoof. means something that's split, parted. They wasn't talking, it wasn't jabbering, it wasn't doing nothing, it's making a noise. Cloven tongue set up on them as if it was fire. Oh, they couldn't hold themselves. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> then what happened? Out into the streets they went. Where is that Rabbi Jones? Where is that fellow at? Where is that intellectual giant? God was over us with Moses in the burning bush. He fed us with manna on high. He walked with us for three years or six, three years and six months here on earth. But now He's in me. It's not me that speak of this Him. I know who He is. I know who I am. I ain't no more He is. Bring Him up here. Ye man of Israel and you that dwell in Judea, let this be known to you know and unto you and hearken to my voice. All you preachers and rabbis. Our speech. Oh, these are not drunk. Taking up that little minority, 120 against 10,000 or more. These are not drunk as you suppose seen us for the third hour of the day. I'm a full gospel preacher, but this is that. <laughs> That was spoke of by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I'll pour out my spirit. Of all flesh in your... You see Mary out there dancing in the spirit, speaking in tongues and carrying on? Upon all flesh, upon my hands made, will I pour out my spirit. 
I'll show signs in the heavens above and in the earth below, pillars of fire and vapors of smoke. God was in His people then. Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, now, what degree did you have? What, where, what school did you come from? That don't make any difference right now. <laughs> oh, you begin to pour in the Scripture. David foresaw him. The Lord always before me. He'll not be moved. Moreover, my heart rejoiced because... And my tongue was made glad. He'll not leave my soul in hell, neither will his holy one to see corruption. Let me freely speak to you, the patriarch David. He's both dead and buried, and his supper's Amen. with us this day. But by prophet, he foresaw the coming of the just one. And let it be known to you that God has made this same Jesus who you crucified by wicked hands, both Lord and Christ. Amen. What can we do to be saved? Said, repent every one of you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children, and to them is for all, even as many as the Lord our God will ever call. Amen. As long as God's got a people, God's got a church, God's got the Holy Ghost marching with us. That's what God gave the Holy Ghost for. Hallelujah. Intellectuals will rise always have. But God's got a minority somewhere. God's got a little church that'll move right on with the baptism of the Holy Ghost to claim in the light. And they'll be the ones that through their testimony will judge the world. Yes. Don't the Bible say, Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart. They shall see God. And don't say that the just, the saints, shall judge the earth. Amen. Sure, your testimony today will bring judgment against this city. Our testimony of the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the power of God, a holy life will bring judgment against the city. When this, them that are first will be last. Them that are last will be first. I won't know about St. Moody and their resurrection. They'll not know nothing about me and this one, but I'll stand in this one to give testimony. So will you. And through that, by the scattering of your light and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and by the lives that you live and the things that God has done to prove that He's moving here and with their intellectuals walked away from it, they'll be judged by the saints. They're already judged. They've already passed it. Oh, my. I was talking on power of prayer, power of speech, power for a holy life. Amen. Amen. That's what the Holy Ghost is to do. Some of you people walk along saying, well, I just can't quit drinking. I just can't quit this. The Holy Ghost comes to live in you, to make all these can'ts get away from you. That's right. Make women start cutting their hair. Make them quit wearing shorts and slacks. No excuses. Make them quit tattling. Oh, yes, that's what it's for, to make you a holy life. It'll follow the instructions of the Bible every time. Woman say, it's just too hot. I just have to wear these. It gives me a headache if I let my hair grow. But there's no excuses for the Holy Ghost. It's there to make it so. It'll follow the Word just exactly. That's what the Holy Ghost is to do. It's to make you men turn your head from them half-naked women and quit lusting after them. Yeah, church members. That's what it's to do. It's to quit making you smoke and drink and be, want to be a big shot. It'll take that out of you. It'll humble you when you do that. That's what the Holy Ghost is for. It's for a holy life. That's right. Make you quit gossiping. Make you quit playing cards, shooting craps, and all these other things that you do around the corner. It'll make you quit your carrying on the way you're doing, living untrue to your wife. That's what it'll do. Amen. That's right. It'll quit making you want to marry somebody else's wife. That's exactly right. 
That's what it is. It's to make you live a holy life. That's what the Holy Ghost is power for. To set your affections on things above. For God has the mind of Christ in you. You can't help from seeing those things. When you look at them, you turn your head. Right. So make it. You say, I can't do it. Oh, I just can't do it. Sure, you can't, but the Holy Spirit come for that purpose. That's what it did. It come to take it out of you. All them old habits and things that you're doing. That old backbite and separate yourself. Say, bless God, I'm a Methodist. I won't have nothing to do with that old holy rollers. The Holy Ghost come to take that out of you. Amen. I'm a Baptist. I'm Presbyterian. I wouldn't go to that little old holy roller bunch. The Holy Ghost come to take all that starch out of you. That's what it is. It washes you in the blood. Irons you out. That's what it come to do. It come to straighten you up. He said, make the crooked places straight. That's what it comes to do. Straighten it up. Make the high places low. <laughs> make all the mountains. It look like they're all dancing like little rams. And all the leaves are clapping their hands to you. The birds sing different. Joy bells are ringing. There's no excuses. That's what it comes to do. That's the purpose of God sending the Holy Ghost so you would do these things. That you would work, walk after Him. Now, I don't want to hurt you. But I told you, I'm here with the deepest of sincerity to keep from pinching you once in a while. I jump off on a line somewhere and stay with the truth, but stay in there and make it in such a way it won't pinch you too hard. But I want to tell you something. If the Bible says that it's wrong for a woman to cut her hair and you say you've got the Holy Ghost and then cut your hair, I wonder if you have. Don't get mad. If it does, that still shows there's another mark against you. If the Bible says it's wrong for a woman to put on a garment that pertained to a man and you wear these little overhauls and slacks out here on the road, you grown women. Guess a little baby would be all thing they're playing with little boys and things, but look when you when you grown women, fifteen, sixteen, eighteen years old and up to grandma, out your own road and the Bible says it's an abomination in the sight of God for a woman to wear those things. And you wear them anyhow and say you got the Holy Ghost, I wonder sometimes. The Holy Ghost will follow God's Word to the letter. And a preacher behind the pulpit that ain't got grace enough to preach it, I doubt he's got it. Well, that's what the Holy Ghost is for. It's to give unction to the preacher. It's to give holiness to the group. It's to set the church in order. It's to bring a unity of spirit. It's to unite us together with power. It's to unite us together with love, brotherly love. I don't care if you're Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, Lutheran, whatever you are. If we've all been by one Holy Spirit baptized into one body. And become members of the body of Jesus Christ. And not, there's nothing present, nothing future. Hunger, starvation, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Of love of Christ, the love of God that's in Christ. Because we are born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. We are a new creature. That's what God came to do. That's what... Holy Spirit's part. Yes, sir. That's what. Now, people, look at me in the face. A lot of hands went up. You had the Holy Ghost. See? Sure, they were. Oh, now I'm, I'm just going to bounce just a little bit here. This is taped, but we're going to get more to it tomorrow night. If you say you got it and are guilty of these, I wonder what's a leading you. God will never lead you off the Word. 
He'll keep you with the Word. Because that's God's own laws of His church for His people, for women, and for man. Well, I said, don't harm me to do this or that. It doesn't. The Word says it does. And if uh, the Holy Spirit is in you, it'll lead you right to the Word. There'll be no excuses. God don't make alterations or excuses. He makes a mark and you tow it. That's all. That's what it is with everyone. You come the same way. Peter said, repent every one of you. Be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Then you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's it. We got to hit that line. I don't mean to hurt you. I love you too much. But brother, sister, do you realize what? And I know that I've got to stand in the last days of that resurrection with this generation of people and give an account for this word and the Holy Spirit showing this and me preaching out where you go to stand. How are you going to get by with it? You can't do it, friend. Don't now stop that. Whatever you're doing, it's wrong. Stop it. You say I can't. Then you haven't got the canter in you yet. When the Holy Spirit comes, He gives you power over the world. And if you, listen what He said, if you love the world or the things of the world, it's because the love of God isn't in you. There's no excuses. He makes it plain. and we got to come up to that mark. I know you think I'm awful, but I'm just awful full right now. <laughs> listen, that is true. Now, come up to it, brother, sister. Don't let some of these intellectual colleges around here tell you, oh, that's old fogey stuff. If it's old fogey stuff, then God's old fogey. And if God's old fogey, then I am too. Amen. Amen. I want to be like Him. Why? His Spirit is in me that hungers and thirsts, calling everything contrary to the Word. If the people say, it's all right for... Oh, if a man plays a little cards for fun and just gambles a nickel or two, it's all right. God says it's not. Amen. Oh, if you just take a good social drink, just get on a little drunk once in a while, but God said war unto him. Amen. Well, you say it's all right, Brother Branham. I, I, I cut my hair because of a real thing. A woman, you know, the rest of women are doing I don't care what the rest of women are doing. They're not your example or they're not your boss. If you've got the Holy Ghost in you, you'll follow his instructions. Amen. Regardless of what people say about you. Well, Brother Bram, it's just so hot. I just have to put these little so-and-so clothes on. Hell's hotter than that, Sister dear. Let me tell you that. And, and don't you remember that? And the Holy Spirit will always lead you to truth, and His truth is the Word. My Word is the truth. Let every man's Word be alive, and let mine be true. And just think, an abomination. Could you think? This is an awful word for a minister to say. But I've went into restrooms at places where it would just, you'd have to walk back out there and it was just so, and dirty things on the wall. I thought, how in the world can people be so low down and stink? And when I walk into those places, I've often thought, what a stink. If they're holding a nose like this to wash my hands, I'd be afraid that I want to tuck a hold of the doorknob again to be germs from venereal and things. And I thought, Oh, one day standing at an airport, one of them places I walked in, or a railroad place, I walked into that and I thought, oh, mercy. And something said to me, that's the way the world smells to God. Yeah. It's an abomination. Yeah. I thought when I see a woman walk down the street with herself all 
tear it out like that and man's clothes on, that's what it looks like to God. It's an abomination. Something stealthy and stinking before God. Yes, she'll go to church on Sunday and decorate up. There'll go a man down there and drink and cheat and love money and cheat his neighbor and everything else to get a little extra money and do these things and gamble and smoke and drink and lie. Then go to church and testify. Abomination, filthiness. That's the intellectual church. Say, well, I belong to the church, yes. And have to let the church out 15 minutes so all the deacons and all can smoke and the pastor too before you can go back to have church. Tell me, separate yourself from every unclean thing. The power of the body, I'll destroy it. God said He'd do it. And today over cancer is causing 90-something percent of the deaths of throat and lung cancer is caused by smoking cigarettes. Defile the body, I'll destroy it. But they're so hell-bound rolling on like that. They don't know. And some preacher standing in the pulpit with four degrees out of college smoking his cell. Let me tell you something, brother. The Holy Ghost was sent to call men and women out of that thing. Separate yourself. The word church means to be separated. Come out from among them, says the Bible. Touch out their unclean, and I'll receive you, and you'll be sons and daughters to me, and I'll be God to you. Oh, my, I don't mean to be mean, but I mean to be honest and to be truthful. Yes, sir. Oh, what a horrible thing. Men and women, where do we stand today? Where are we at? Let's stop. The other night, across a little old seat there in the room, now I must close, a little old dual-fold seat after praying for three or four days. So I got in such a place going around thinking, oh God, I got in such a place that I didn't know what to do. I said, God, we're at the end of the road. And I realized that I've neglected. I've had calls to go on and be tired and wouldn't do it. I thought then I could see my Lord staggering through the dark under when he was so tired he could hardly raise one foot after other, but he wasn't too stopped for the woman that I with her boy brought out there that was dead to go over and touch the bear and use what little strength is in him to raise that boy. Well, how do I get tired? What's the matter with me, Lord? Here I think, well, I'm getting old. I, I can't do it. There was Moses, the same God that I served, stood together at 120 years old. There was Caleb stood at the age of 90 with a sword in his hand and said, Joshua, put this sword in my hand. Forty years ago, he's 80 then, and said, I'm just as good a man today as I was then. Amen. I said, God, be merciful to me. I said, well, looky here. I'm always, and I tuck my wife back there by the hand across this Bible and her little Bible. And I said, honey, I've been too negative. The Holy Spirit condemns me within me. I said, I think of them squirrels out yonder. I think of Hattie Wright back there and the little boys. I think of what God did showing that He was God that could create. Hallelujah. I thought He's told me that years ago, I'll not leave you. I'll never forsake you. No man will stand before you all the days of your life. I'll be with you. And from this hand of discernment, it'll come to you. You'll know the secret of the heart. After that, it'll raise higher and your answer, that's proof perfect the world around. Here comes this, this other great ministry far beyond it. I said, honey, I'll take your hand. 
by God's help and God's grace, never let me be negative again. Let me walk forth to this revival here to preach like never before. Let me go here to first sanctify myself and make a way for the people that my own sins, my own neglect, be under the blood, my own shortcomings, be under the blood, that I might walk out and say, follow me, people. That's right. I hate to see a guy say, you go do it. I like to see somebody lead the way to do it. Amen. Yes, sir. Here some time ago, we had a fire down in the city here. Fowl Oil Company caught on fire. They had the Jeffersonville Fire Department down there. And a friend of mine, good man, never used to big fires like that. He's walking there saying, spur a little water over here, boys. Spur a little water over here. Here come the little carts fill up there. Ding, 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 ding. Run up there. He said, uh, the fire chief general said, spur a little water down here. Don't get winter here. Spread a little water there. Across the river come train firemen from Louisville. That big hook and ladder no more than stopped till the chief was at the end of the ladder. When the ladder went up, he was at the head. Told his axe before he got there and knocked the wind out. Said, come on, boys. That's it. The fire went out in a few minutes. Not spurt a little water here, spurt a little water there. Puts in mind some of these intellectual preachers. Come on, let's go. I know it's the truth. I've tasted and seen. The Holy Ghost is right. God is good. Don't try here, try there. Let's walk into Him. Jerry, it's for you. God gave His power to His church. Not spurt out this here, spurt out. You'll never get nothing done. Lead on. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Can't even see through them no more. Amen. What are we going to do? Each person sitting here is filled with something. Then we're close. May have to after that. You're filled with something. You can't sit there without being full of something. You've got a life in you. That life governs you, and that life is governed by a spirit. Now, you might be full of the world, loving the world, the things of the world. God be merciful to you. You might be full of creeds from some church, some little prayers that you say, the things that's going to pray to some dead person or, or make some kind of a sign across you. God be merciful to you. And you may be full of religion. And that's worse yet. That's right. That's right. The Bible said in the last days to be very religious, having a form of godliness. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. If you're full of religion, you're miserable. Just religion, that's all. If you're full of creeds, you don't know what you're talking about. If you're full of the world, you're blind. And then again, you may be full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I hope you are. And if you're not, I hope you get full. And if you're full of the Holy Ghost, what you got? You got power. You got love. You got peace. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth I you. You got peace. You're sealed. You got a sign. Amen. You got rest. You got joy unspeakable and full of glory. You're anchored. Oh, my. That's what you are with the Holy Ghost. You have, if you've got full of the Holy Ghost, you have passed from death unto life, waiting for the general resurrection in the last days. 
In the world to come to our Lord Jesus Christ, of whose sake coming in glory and majesty, the seal give up its dead, the corruptible bodies of those who sleep in him shall sleep in him. How do you get in him? By one spirit we're all baptized into one body. The corruptible bodies of those who sleep in him shall be changed and made like unto his own glorious body, whereby he's able to subdue all things unto himself. I heard a voice from heaven said, John said unto me, Right, blessed are the dead that die in the Lord. That die in the Lord from his forth, for they rest from their labors and their works do follow them. That's what he sent the Holy Ghost for. Oh, blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. I am in Him and He's in me. The Father in Him and He and the Father and Father in me and I in Him. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. I'm an heir of salvation, purchased of God, born of His Spirit, and washed in His blood. Amen. I wouldn't trade it all. All rubies and diamonds and silver and gold, his coffers are full. He has riches untold. For I'm a child of a king. I'm the child of the king. With Jesus, my Savior, makes me a child of the king. Amen and amen. I wouldn't swap it. I wouldn't swap it. I've got two or three more scores. Then, here's another scripture. When... When you are filled with the Holy Ghost, that's the things you have. Then what are you to the world? An alien. Mm. I know it's late, but it's never too late for this. An alien. Oh, we're pilgrims and we're strangers here. We're seeking a city to come. The lifeboat soon is coming. Together his jewels home. Hey, I can hear the water splash General Ohio River and I was a little old boy preacher about 22 years old singing that there and I heard looked up above me and heard a voice said look up here come that big light hanging right there come moving down over me and said as John the Baptist was sent to forerun the first coming of Christ you'll have a message that will forerun the second coming of Christ. Hey, oh how could I believe it? But it happened just the same. And tonight revival fires are burning around the world. Great ransom church of God lifted herself out of that place. Great campaigns of healing and signs and wonders and miracles showing forth the coming. You're an alien and you're a stranger. You do strange things. Different from what you used to do. You don't act like you used to. The people, the Holy Ghost, when it comes upon you and you become filled with the Holy Ghost, you ignore the things of the world. You ignore the things that would beset you. You ignore it. Then you become an odd-acting creature, the ugly duckling to them, the little eagle that was hatched under the hen's nest. (laughs) And I preached, and when the eagle stirs its nest, you're a funny-looking creature to them. But oh my, walking up the King's Highway. Oh, it's a highway to heaven. 
I'm walking up the King's Highway. Say, look at that holy roller, that ugly duckling. That's that holy roller preacher. A famous Methodist preacher said to a man today in Louisville, said, I'd like to help Brother Billy, but you know what I do? I'd have to stick my neck out. You don't have to stick your neck out for me. He stuck his life out for me. Amen. Amen. Just walking up the King's Highway. That's all. Oh, my. Filled with His Spirit, born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. Hallelujah, happy. Then another thing. Why? What makes you do that? You're still a human. But what makes you do it is because that you come, you, your spirit, come from above. It's God in you. When I went over to Rome, I noticed that they, everyone had a Roman spirit. When I went to Greece, they all had a Grecian spirit. When I went to England, they all had an English spirit. When you go places, you find them, you find the American spirit. It's horrible. <laughs> when I went into the San Angelo's catacombs at Rome, they had a sign up there, please, American women, put on clothes to honor the dead. American spirit. Watch them get off the airplane, them little clothes on, everybody go to look at them, and here comes Miss America. That's American spirit. You can tell where she's from. Dressed up boy, hauling a little old snotty nosed poodle dog behind her. That's right. Oh, yeah. She's, a, she's, a, she's America, Miss America. Walk down, you know, strut like that. Why? She's got an American spirit. But Jesus said, He testified against it that day. He said, You are from this earth below. I'm from above. And if you've got the Spirit of Christ in you, you are from above. Then you're a stranger here. But you've got the nature of the place you're from. That's what I'm trying to say. A Roman comes over here, he scratches his head, and a German comes over here, an American goes away. Why? You've got the spirits of them countries you come from. That's what makes us so much different to the world. You're from above. You're born, you're, an, you're a citizen of another kingdom. You believe it? That's what the Holy Ghost is, is to make you a citizen of the kingdom of God. Then if you are a citizen of the kingdom of God, how does it make you act? Like God does in His kingdom. Now what does God do in His kingdom? It's holiness. Righteousness, purity of thought, purity of mind, power in love, going to the lost, healing the sick, performing miracles, doing great things. Then to the world, you look crazy. They say, them guys are off at their head. See? But you are a citizen of the kingdom. One more scripture if you want to write it down. John... 1224. Let me quote it to you right quick. Jesus said, If a corn of wheat falls into the ground, except it die, it cannot bring forth another life. Now look, one closing remark, now remember then, it is absolutely now, to you people, it's absolutely essential and necessary and compelling and compulsive that you receive the Holy Ghost now. 
For if you don't, you can't come in the resurrection. Now watch, God cannot break His laws. We know that. He follows His laws. Now, a, a grain of wheat or corn will take, like Jesus said there. Of course, a, a corn in the Bible, I was just reading it today, refers to flax or any kind of seed. But wheat, barley, lays or anything, it's a corn. But when a corn of wheat falls into the ground, now there's all of us here have seen, know this happens. A corn of wheat or a grain of corn can look as perfect as it can be. And you put it in the ground, and if that corn, it has perpetual life. It'll go down today, reproduce itself in a stalk, and come back down, and go up again, and come back down. It's perpetual life. If that corn hasn't got the germ of life in it, no matter how beautiful it looks, it'll never raise. It'll go to the ground and rot, and that's it. Part of it, the materials, can be used for fertilizing and things in the ground. But as far as it ever living again, it'll never live unless it's got perpetual life in it. Anyone knows that? You just can't. There can be two men. One of them just exactly, both of them just alike. One of them can be a good man. He can do good works. He can do so forth. But except that man has eternal life in him. He'll never rise in the resurrection. He can't do it. There's nothing there to raise. There's nothing to bring him up. There's no life. So you see, my dear brother, my dear sister, except the man be born again, he can in no wise come back into this kingdom. He can't. Except this corn of wheat falls into the ground and dies. He's talking of himself. But he had not perpetual life. He had eternal life. And the life He gave to you that you might have the same kind of life. Now, if you've just got human life, enough to move you around, lust, she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she is alive. You can't rise. You might be the most popular girl in school. You might be the most popular girl at the card game of your society. You might be the best-dressed woman in the country. You might be the prettiest. You might be the best built. You might be an idol to your husband. You might be all these things, which, that's wonderful. But sister, unless you have the Holy Ghost in you, which is eternal life, at the end of this road, you are finished. And I don't care what you look like or how these things are, or how unpopular or popular you are, how pretty or how ugly, if you've got eternal life, there you'll live forever and forever when the moon and stars is gone and the earth has weeped itself into the mountains and the deserts and everything has, has it's no more and the world's a toddling like a drunk man coming home at night and the stars refuse to shine and fall from the heavens and the moon turns into blood and the, the sun blushes and hides its face when they see the Son of Man coming you'll shine in the righteousness of Jesus Christ to come forth from the grave as a young beautiful woman to take your mate and live forever and forever and forever and all eternal ages you'll still be living that's what the Holy Ghost is for if you feel the least tug, don't turn it away. What is the Holy Ghost? God in you. 
What's it for? To continue His work among His people, to bring His church together, to bring a church to a place in this day far beyond the Lutheran, Methodist, and Pentecostals, into a place to our adoption and a rapture and grace that when this part of the church, when the Spirit moves into this church here, it'll just raise and it'll bring forth, bring forth all of the redeemed that's touched that Spirit. Those Lutherans who stood there with all the life they had in justification, those Methodists that fell on the floor and they threw water in their face, from the Spirit striking them through sanctification, those Pentecostals that they walked up and down the street and called them tongues to lung and oh, jabbers and goose language and all of that. They'll stand in the righteousness of the sight of God at that day just as certain as this Bible stands here. If you believe me to be a servant, you call me as prophet. I don't call myself that, but you listen. I'm telling you in the name of the Lord. Those that are in Christ will God bring with Him at His coming at the resurrection. And only those that are in Christ. How do we get in Christ, folks? By one creed we are all joined in. No. By one handshake we are all pulled in. No. By one water we are all baptized in. No. Or by one uh, denomination we are all denominated in. No. But by 1 Corinthians 12, 13, by one Spirit, Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, we are all Methodist, Baptist, Lutheran, Presbyterian, Walk in the light as He is in the light. We have fellowship one with another in the blood of Jesus Christ. God's Son cleanses us from all unrighteous. By one Spirit we are all baptized into one body and been made partakers of His grace. You cannot go to judgment. He that heareth my words and believeth. No man can believe until he's got the Holy Ghost. And believeth on Him that sent me when the Holy Ghost is testified of His resurrection. Hath eternal life and shall never come into judgment but has passed from death unto life. What? You'll never catch the judgment. You'll never stand at the white throne for judgment. You meet your judgment right here. You pass your judgment when you pass and say, I'm no good and my learning is no good. Lord, come into me and take me and leave me, Lord. I don't care what this crazy world says. Leave me, Lord, but your spirit. You've judged then. Judge yourself as a fool for Christ. And in His righteousness that day, we'll stand immortal in His likeness. Only one way how? By one Spirit. We are all baptized into one body. And when you're in that body, judgment has already judged that body. And you've accepted Him as a propitiation of your sins. You say, I've done that, Brother Branham. Then, if the Holy Ghost has come back and give you a seal as a sign, that Spirit brings you into the body of Christ. You turn back the other way, and you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. You pass from death into life. Old things is gone. And you are new in Christ. Oh, please let me persuade you, my Christian brother or sister. Don't let this... Revival pass you. You must receive the Holy Ghost. What is it? The Spirit of God. What was it for to lead you? 
guide you, fill you, sanctify you, call you out into the church. What is a church? What does the word church mean? Called out, separated. Oh, how I could take a sermon from that right now. Called out, separated, aliens away from the world, pilgrim and stranger, professing we have here no earthly city that we desire to live in. <laughs> oh, my. As Abraham and Isaac and Jacob sojourned, dwelling in tents in the land, they professed and they were pilgrims and strangers, the seed of the air, the air back there, the father of the air. We are their seeds. And they were looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. <laughs> Amen. They were searching. And today their seed is still looking for a city that comes in. I don't want to get adjusted to this world. I don't want nothing to do with this world. I won't. I'm looking for a city that's built four square. I'm looking for a city that's got eternal life where the sun will never go down, where there will never be old age, where there will never be a crepe on a doorknob or a grave on a hillside. I'm looking for that city whose builder and maker of God. There's only one way to find it. There was a stone cut out of the mountain without hands that rolled into the world and smashed it out and it become like wheat or chaff on the thrashing floors. Let that stone, the Christ Jesus, that stumbling stone to the world, a stone of an offense, a laughing stone, a stumbling block to the church, but a precious and a large stone to the believer. Amen. A stone of assurance, a stone of rest, oh, resting. I know that I have passed from death unto life. My soul is at rest. Oh, Hallelujah. come unto me, all you labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest to your soul. A, a sign that's to be evil spoken of, said uh, the prophet to Mary. It'll be a sign. Sure it will. But it'll be an assurance. It'll be a love. It'll be a satisfaction. It'll be something that you know you've passed from death unto life. My brother, my sister, as your brother, as your servant in Christ, let me persuade you with all my heart. Don't you let this go over your head or go by you or under you. Receive it into your heart. And you'll be a happy person on earth. I'm not promising you you'll get a million dollars. No, sir. Brother Leo, I think he's been too much of that promise now. Millions of dollars of things that different ones say, if you be a Christian, you'll get a million dollars and you'll be a rich man. I'm not promising you nothing. I'm promising you this only thing I can promise you. His salvation, His grace is sufficient for every trial. The people at Pentecost, they didn't even want what they did have. I talk about millionaires. They didn't want what they had, Sister Angie. Like hear you and Gertie sing one of these days. Where's she at? Homecoming week one of these days. Many of them have done passed across the border since then. Oh, my. They didn't ask for great things. They didn't ask for money. 
Why, Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I'll give it to you. And I say that tonight, friends, the joy, the love, the assurance that I have of Christ and His resurrection, such as I have, I offer to you. I offer to you as God's children. And you come and stay at the cross if God calls you. And don't you get up. When you come tomorrow night, you come either to go in here and stay till it's over or come up and we go to pray and lay hands on you. Go, that's the order of the Bible. Lay hands on them for the Holy Ghost. And then we're going, you go to your home. If you stay right there, if you stay all night, stay the next day, stay the next day, stay through the holiday, stay through the first year, stay on, stay until... That whatever we instruct about tomorrow night, showing you the Bible, what has to come, will come. And when it comes, then there isn't enough devils and torment. You know you've passed from death into life. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. The joy bells of heaven are ring. Brother Ophel, I'm telling you, Amen. it just sets you afar. Here's an old boy sitting here, an old brother of mine, that was a gangster. Walking with guns on his side. Looking for a man around the corner, somebody to blow their brains out. And what happened? One day, he looked and believed unto life. And he walked on. He followed my meetings. And a poor guy with not enough to eat and laid and slept in bushes by the side of the tent. Hungering and thirsting. One day, the Holy Spirit comes. Oh, my brother, it changed you, didn't it? It brought life and took death away. Hatred left and love come in. Oh, my. Enmity, strife all fell away. New life come in. Look here at others times others, others times others now through there. Oh, the joy bells of heaven ring. And friends, there's no way for me to express it. Listen, I might leave this. If you have believed my testimony as a servant of Christ, and I've tried to show you out of God's Bible. It's right. And if my words seem like they might be just a little strange about this, look at that picture in the scientific world. What's the fruit that this pillar of fire that led the children of Israel, what's the fruit it bears? Yeah. See what it does. What it tells. It's not me that speaketh. It's Him that speaketh through you. That's it. It's not me that sees the vision. It's Him that speaks through you. It's not me that heals the sick. It's Him that's in you heals the sick. It's not me that preaches. I'm a backward coward and run for the very thought. But it's Him that speaks through. I don't know the Word, but He knows it. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's what it is, and there He is. That same angel of God is right here in this building tonight. Amen. Amen. Oh, how I love Him. Now, how many wants to receive the Holy Ghost? Take the examination of our lives. How many hasn't received it and wants to? Raise up your hand and say, Brother Bram, the depths of my heart, I want to receive the Holy Ghost. God bless you everywhere. How many of you that has received it and would like to go like the Acts 4 and say, Oh, Lord, Oh, Lord, stretch forth thy hand to heal and show in signs and wonders in the name of thy holy child Jesus and give me all boldness and love to speak and a new feeling. Yes, here's mine too. God, give it to me. Let us bow our heads in the deepest of sincerity, each person holding your desire in your heart. 
Lord Jesus, we close this little gathering tonight after the fellowship around the Word and the Holy Ghost. How He has blessed us and poured out into our hearts the oil of His Word. There are ministers, there are men here that were all walks of life that's tasted and seen the Lord is good. We know what the Holy Spirit is now. A promise of God. It is eternal life to as many as believe. And we know that the Holy Spirit was the Spirit of Jesus Christ sent back. And He's in us today. As God was above us in that pillar of fire. Then He walked with us in the, a body that was called Emmanuel. God with us. And now He is in us by the Holy Spirit. God in us. Oh, Jesus said, At that day you'll know that I am in the Father. And you are in me. And I am in you. You'll understand it that day because you're in a world of darkness, as to say now. But at that day you'll understand. Father, it could not be made plain and perfect because then we'd have nothing to have faith for. But all works of God is governed by faith. And by faith in your word, in the evidence of the Holy Spirit that we know is now, I ask that every hungry soul in here will be filled with the Holy Ghost. Those who do not have it and are hungering for it, just remember, we had say to them, Lord, like this, that you said, Blessed are you when you do hunger and thirst. You shall be filled. That's a promise. And it's even blessed to be hungering. You're blessed to even know that God has spoke to you. For it said, No man can come to me except my Father draws him first. And Lord, those who are old veterans here, they put up their hands. I had up mine. Oh, Lord, give us strength. Give us power to stretch forth the hand of thy holy child, Jesus, that signs and wonders might be done, that it might be a deeper ministry, a greater thing than's ever happened yet. Give us boldness and love to speak to the people. Grant it, Lord. Be with us in all things we ask in Jesus' name. And tomorrow night, Lord, may there come such a rushing mighty wind fall into this building that it will be just like another day of Pentecost. The foundation's been laid. Everything is ready. The ox are killed. The fatlings are killed. The rams are killed. The table is set. The guests are invited. Oh, Lord, send a jubilee of Pentecost tomorrow night into this building and fill every soul with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Granted, Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Pray.
precious blood of God's own Son has cleansed and sanctified a wondrous peace before His name, and they are called the bride, so neglected and despised. One day the Lord will bring those chosen ones. Within the gate.